It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and we're moving right along into our Sweet 16 of our Texas A&M bracket, figuring out which player is the greatest Aggie of all time. We did last week. We had our top 32. We broke them down. We had our rankings. Now we're moving into every day for the remainder of the week, going into our Sweet 16 and eventually going to our Elite 8 to find out who will be in our Final Four for next week's showdown. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show. I do like follows. I do like appreciation from anybody. And it's really simple. My name is Cole. My last name is Thompson. I am a mister. That's my name. Don't wear it out. And lastly, go make sure you're following us at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for everything Texas A&M related when it comes to the audio element. So go ahead and hit that follow button at Locked on Aggies and check out all of our great work found at LockedOnPodcast.com. Now, because of the show is going to be about 20 to 30 minutes long each single week, what we're going to do is we're going to keep you up to date with some things going on in Texas A&M that are happening behind closed doors. One of the biggest things, of course, is the coronavirus, and COVID-19 is deciding to shut down the world of sports. We still don't know when we're going to get back to some normal sense of composure right now, but what we do know is there are going to be at least some moves made by the NCAA to help out with student teaching, with student, you know, in, in growth, in practices, in some capacity. And the SEC took a giant step this past weekend, uh, making sure that they were able to find a way to be able to grab players, put them in the ranks, and somehow give them some type of ability to improve for next season. That starts with student athletes when it comes to not being able to use the athletic facilities, work out, have meetings. Spring ball is now uh, taking a time of leave. We're not sure when we're going to get it. Uh, But the SEC has finally decided to address that issue. According to a report by college football reporter Chris Lowe, Uh, By ESPN, the SEC will allow all 14 of its member institutions to conduct virtual meetings between coaches and players beginning Monday. These updated guidelines will now allow two hours of virtual instruction or meetings per week, including film reviews, Lowe said. The idea is to allow coaches to continue to engage with their players who are not on campus during the coronavirus pandemic and taking online classes and help fill the gaps in the absence of of uh, spring practice under the new guidelines staff members will not be allowed to remotely watch direct or review physical workouts but by virtual film review chalk talks and anything else that doesn't involve physical activity will be permissible so basically while coaches can't tell players well you can't work out you can't do this you can't be running you can't be watching film on your own they can meet with the players 
and go over certain things that are happening in the facility, things that they maybe need to keep up on. Maybe for some players, especially with football, they can start an early practice at looking at film at some of the guys they're going to go up against. You know, it is a brand new system for two new colleges. So you're going to want to watch a lot of Florida Atlantic tape when you're watching Ole Miss. And you're definitely going to want to watch a lot of Washington State tape when watching Mike Leach down in Starkville for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. A few other top storylines involving AM over the past weekend. The team might have found their new big man when they were able to sign a tra- grad transfer, Kevin Marfro. Marfro comes from Quinnipiac University, the six foot eight, 245 pound forward, picked AM over the likes of Penn State, VCU, Minnesota, and St. John's. Marfro played one year at George Washington and two years at Quinnipiac. Uh, He was the nation's leading rebounder and averaging 10.2 points and 13-point rebounds per game for the uh, Wildcats while shooting 48% from the floor and 71% from the foul line while averaging 28 games per minute. He had an interview with 24-7 Sports saying, I felt like Coach gave me a good opportunity to play and produce this year. Uh, I want to test myself and uh, in the best college basketball. I think this will allow me to get the best opportunity to do that. And it's kind of been my mindset and the reason why I want to transfer. I just want to develop my game and see how much I can match up against the best players in the country. Uh, Over 25 schools actually reached out to Marfro when he announced his name in the transfer portal, including schools like Wake Forest, South Carolina, Rhode Island, Georgetown, VCU, Notre Dame, Seton Hall, Memphis, Maryland, Virginia Tech, Georgia, UConn, San Diego State, Nebraska, Arizona State, Wichita State, Texas Tech, Pittsburgh, and Louisville. This will be his third school move, so he's only going to be there for one year, but when you think about what's going on down in Aggieland right now, it's Buzz Williams. And the one thing you got to take away from Buzz Williams is, even in his rebuild at Blacksburg, he kind of started out the same way. He picked up wins. He was a winning program in his first year with Virginia Tech, and he brought them to three straight, four straight winning seasons, including a last winning season at Marquette. He has been on fire five consistent years with a record above 500. When you lose a player like Josh Nebo, you're losing a vital piece to your front game in basketball. Nebo's a guy who got a lot of rebounds. Not only that, he's a guy who was able to get the blocks. He played back a lot, so he was able to compete against the breakaway shots and block those and block the ball before they were able to turn a slam dunk or a layup into two points. You need that guy. And Manfro's probably gonna Marfro's gonna take over for that role. He's gotta take over for that role. Because now that we know that spring sports uh will possibly gain that extra year of eligibility. We know winter sports won't. So unfortunately, Wendell Mitchell, Mark French, and Josh Nebo, their seasons will be cut short. But at the same time, at least that some players are going to be able to get some type of eligibility back. So you have to kind of look at this as a win. So Marfro needs to come in and be that guy. That's the biggest thing right now when you look at what Williams is doing You need that guy in the paint. You need a veteran presence. He kind of had that with Quentin Jackson, who transferred over last season. You have now your two, I think, early replacements to go along with your young talent in Emmanuel Miller and Andre Gordon. Those are the top two guys I think that everyone's going to be wanting to talk about. When you put them together, 
that creates a four-man unit that probably will be pretty special. And then you have to see, is Savion Fly going to step up? Is J.J. Chandler going to be that guy? Any way you look at it, no matter how it's done, as long as one of them can create a presence in the paint, and you have Emmanuel Miller, who finished the season really strong, 6.5 rebounds on the year for the average. I think he was second on the team in rebounds behind Nebo. Now you have something to build off of. And I think that overall, when you look at that and those numbers, a guy like Manfro is going to come in and be that guy that you need to keep your team afloat, especially when recruiting's kind of down right now. You don't really know what's going on with players and their safety yeah we know that there's now going to be some type of at least communication with players and coaches but how long does that last there's still a ton of questions that need to be answered but questions that also need to be answered and will be actually today is who's moving on in our sweet 16 we have our first divisional round going up is johnny manziel going to remain a factor even though his nfl career was cut short what about von miller how is he going to look compared to a guy like DeAndre Jordan? We'll be breaking those down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you like quality content with people who know what they're talking about in the realm of sports with the capacity of building an audience and helping you stay afloat with everything in your favorite team? If so, why not download LockedOnPodcast.com? Locked On Podcast has over two dozen college sports shows, a plethora of NFL shows, plus NBA, NHL, MLB, and up-to-date information surrounding fantasy sports. So it doesn't take that long. Go to Spotify, go to iTunes, type in Locked On Podcast, and find your favorite podcast to download for your daily commute and your daily lives right now. We're moving right along into our Texas A&M bracket, finding out which Aggie will be the greatest of all time, and we have a doozy coming up with our one seed versus five seed in the start of our Sweet 16. That's going to be Von Miller of the Denver Broncos, former Texas A&M defensive end, against DeAndre Jordan, center for the Brooklyn Nets, who spent one year as a Texas A&M Aggie as well. Like I said, we've been kind of looking at the stats all line. Now we're going to start looking at a couple of other things that maybe play along inside of this that help better their chances of moving on. So let's just start with the heavyweight, Von Miller. The one thing that plays in his favor right now is his ability that, one, during his senior year in 2010, he made the switch from defensive end to uh, 3-4 outside linebacker in Tim DeRuiter's defense. And he still was able to produce at a high level. Uh, That last season, he had 17 tackles for losses, 10.5 sacks. It was down from the year before in 2008, I mean 2009, when he played kind of a mix of a defensive hybrid hybrid player. Uh, He did play kind of like how Jadavian Clowney plays for a lot of defenses in that 3-4 style. Hand in the dirt, but then also he will play standing up if need be. To help against the help against the run, but when you move positions completely, you probably will see at least a little bit of struggle. But you look at those struggles; it really wasn't that much. For me, with DeAndre Jordan, the biggest problem that I look at here is not his NFL career. I mean, his NBA career. He has a very good NBA career, and his numbers maybe don't say that. Even though when you look 
at his stat line of what he was able to do. Yeah, he's only a one-time All-Star, but he's made the All-NBA team four times. He was a two-time All-Defensive first team. He's the two-time rebounding leader both in 2014 and 2015. He also made the All-Rookie team at Texas A&M during that Big 12 year. He played in 21 of 35 games. He averaged 20 points per minute, 20 minutes per game. Uh, 1.3 blocks in those. Shot a team high 61% of field goals, but a team low of 43% from the free throw line. Most of his field goals, however, were made within feet of the basket. So again, this is a guy who you didn't ask him to shoot from mid-range in the paint. You asked him to shoot under the rim. Get that tip ball in after a missed shot. Put up points and keep the team afloat. Um... He was the number eight overall prospect coming out of high school. He was the number two center in the country. And then you got to go back to Von Miller. What was he like when he came out from AM? Well, he was a four-star recruit. He wasn't a five-star. He wasn't in that top 15. He was the number 15 side, weak side defensive linebacker. And he chose Texas AM over offers from Florida, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. Another thing that always irks me with basketball players that, you know, I, I don't really have a lot of control over and I completely understand the reasoning, but they go to the NBA one year after eligibility is up. The NCAA has ruled it to where players have to go to college for one year. They have to at least give college an opportunity. And while they all know that either in their freshman or sophomore year, more than likely, they're going to go and leave for the big boy game, you also have that also eligibility kind of rule in the in the NCAA for college football. You have redshirt freshmen playing two years before declaring for the NFL draft because if they're technically juniors, so they can do that. You also have players who will stay after their junior year and also not finish. So there's a lot of people who don't finish school, which that's a problem to me for some. Uh, basketball more so because of either go to like the European League, like as much as, and I don't mean to go off topic real fast, but the way that LaMelo Ball is handling this, he knew he didn't want to go play just one year in college. So what he did was he went pro in Lithuania and then Australia. Now he's going to be ready to go up against that top talent at the NBA because if he's been playing against professionals who, even if they're not NBA quality players, They've been around the game a little bit longer. And a player like him, I don't think, needs that much coaching. It's more so about enhancing his skills. In Australia and in Lithuania, yeah, the talent is completely different. And maybe it's not as good as even some colleges. But you're doing that at 17 years old. And you're continuing to make a name for yourself that way. Why not just do that if you're an NBA player? Because of, you already know that you're not going to be on campus for longer than a year. And recruiting pretty much is now, which freshman do I want to bring in a little bit longer? That's all it is for me personally. So DeAndre Jordan, I feel like as that high of a recruit, always was a one-and-done type player. Meanwhile, Miller, he spent four years with A&M. He played his entire career there, 104 tackles. Uh, 181 tackles, my bad. 50.5 tackles for losses, 33 sacks on the year. And because of that, he was drafted early. He was the number two overall pick in 2011 behind Cam Newton. DeAndre Jordan, 
35th overall pick. He gambled. It didn't work out. He was a early second round selection. Now, both of them have had stellar careers. Like I said, DeAndre Jordan, all-time, um, all-star, all-NBA first team in 2016, all-time uh, third team, all-NBA team, two years, two-time all-defensive first team player, 15 and 16, two-time rebounding leader, 14 and 15. Miller, kind of same thing. I mean, when you really break it down, he's been one of the more consistent players in the NFL. Eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, three-time first, four-time second, Defensive Rookie of the Year. He also won the Buckus Award during that 2012 season that's given out to the NFL player. I'm breaking this down because if I need you to realize that while DeAndre Jordan, as good as he was, he gets points taken off for me because if he was an Aggie for one year. Yeah, he was an Aggie. But also, was he? His whole goal, I think, was to get to the NBA level while Miller produced not only that, but also came out on a consistent level every single week to make sure that he kept his team afloat. And because of that, Miller moves on into my next round. Will Kevin Smith be able to intercept Johnny Manziel, take it back the other way for a score and move on into our Elite Eight? Or is Manziel Magic just too strong for this bracket? We'll be breaking down that matchup in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. As we said, Von Miller. Just his NFL presence alone and his ability to stay with the Aggies long after DeAndre Jordan was gone and out of campus. They were both on campus at the same time, if you don't believe it. They they were there during that 2009-2010 season. One was drafted just a year later with Miller staying an extra season, but he moves on. It's that simple. He's been one of the best defensive players in the NFL. He's a legend at AM. DeAndre Jordan, we hardly knew you because, well, you were there one year. Let's move on to our other side of the bracket. That's Johnny Manziel versus Kevin Smith. This is going to be a battle two versus three seed. Let's break it down. Just a little fun fact about these two. They actually share a lot more in common than just the love for the 12th man. Neither were recruited outside of the college that they ended up going to at the position they would play both at the collegiate and professional level. A lot of teams actually wanted to play Johnny Manziel as a cornerback or a safety. Uh, The biggest one, of course, being Texas. That was a rumor because he grew up a huge UT fan. Uh, The rumor was apparently denied by Mack Brown, but let's let's be honest. If they wanted Manziel, it was probably to play safety. A few other schools, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was, uh, yeah, Baylor, Iowa State, Louisiana Tech, uh, Rice, they all offered him both a dual threat option. Let's see how you do at quarterback. Let's see how you do at cornerback and whichever one you work out best. That's what I think that we will see him do. Uh, Schools like uh, Stanford and Tulsa, they actually reached out to him to play cornerback. Meanwhile, Kevin Smith ended up actually getting recruited to both the University of Houston and LSU to play wide receiver despite his senior year being a pretty productive one at West Orange High School, uh, where he recorded 12 interceptions and 9 touchdown passes. He was also a three-year letterman in baseball, basketball, and track and field while playing football on the side. 
Now we come to the actual stat line, and if we just go off that alone, Manziel's the biggest winner by far. When at least you look at the collegiate level and what he was able to do during his time at AM. I mean, his numbers are unheard of, and there's a reason why people call him the greatest Aggie of all time, even though we're trying to debunk that factor right now. Just literally after a four three-year stellar career in high school, coming out as a three-star recruit. His numbers for AM blew people out of the water. For a career, 7,820 uh, yards, 63 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. Uh, he had over 2,000 rushing yards and 30 touchdowns on the year. Uh, on both years, my mistaken. He also won the Davey O'Brien Award and the Heisman Trophy, making him the first freshman ever to win the award. Kevin Smith, meanwhile, in 1991, the Aggies were to allow 224 uh, yards per game, uh, leading the nation in total defense. He was a key factor in helping the team win the Southwest Championship, both in 91 and 92. He also was called upon to return at kicks midway through the season. He quickly made his mark as a punt returner, returning uh, returning 71 yards for a touchdown against Rice and adding another one that was 73 yards against Texas. He finished the season with the sixth best punt return average and scored six special teams touchdowns. Um, then you got to look at the records for both of them. They're both Herald records for... Johnny Manziel, it's the single greatest season in AM history for a quarterback. For Kevin Smith, it's the leader in interceptions. He's the all-time leader with 20 picks, uh, both in AM history and in Southwest Conference history. He was an all-Southwest Conference selection three straight years and a semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, given to the best defensive back in the country during that 1991 season. He goes down in history as arguably the greatest AM cornerback in history, and he was inducted into the Texas AM Hall of Fame in 1997. Meanwhile, Manziel, his numbers, his Heisman, he eventually, I think, will be in the Texas AM Hall of Fame as well, just because of what he was able to do. They both threw first round draft picks. 1992, Smith was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and became the left cornerback during his rookie season to help the team pick up their first Super Bowl victory since 1970. In his second season, he led the Cowboys with six interceptions uh, and teamed with Larry Brown to form the youngest set of starting cornerbacks in the NFL. In 1994, he led the team with pass deflections with 17. He tore his Achilles during the first game of the 1995 season against the New York Giants in Monday Night Football. That would allow um, Deion Sanders to really step up. Uh, he returned in 1996 back to his starting position and had five interceptions and established a career-high 18 pass deflections. He played from the Cowboys from 1992 to 2000. Unfortunately, it, it just became a bigger deal than how many years he had been hurt. And in 1999 and 2000, he had multiple leg injuries that had him play minimal snaps. He played in eight games during that 1999 season. He only played in two games in that 2000 season before he called it quits. Then you go Manziel. Drafted 22nd overall. His numbers at the NFL level are horrendous. They are horrendous. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you on that. Manziel might go down as the greatest Aggie player to ever step foot on a football field. But when you look at what they've done between their NFL and college careers, Manziel did nothing. Seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. One year he had two touchdowns and five uh, and two interceptions. 
One year he had seven, uh, yeah, five touchdowns and seven interceptions. It's not good. And then he was out because of his, his problems. Those are things that I've taken into consideration. It's not like he was a player who was really great, got hurt, and just never could find his footing. You look at guys like Robert Griffin III, and that kind of comes to mind. What if he would have been in this? What if you knew what you were getting with Johnny Manziel? You knew you were getting a guy who definitely was living in the fame. You knew you were getting a guy who definitely was living off of his trademark from college, who was making a name for himself because of his publicity style. And football became a back burner motion for him. And that really started in 2013. His last year at AM, he was really starting to become a kid who red flags were coming around. I remember actually speaking to a scout not too long ago because I remember when I was still writing for SI's uh, All Aggie site. And I even said, I was just looking at them, I was like, all right, so what's going on here? What happened with Johnny Manziel? And they said, most teams had a third-round grade on him. Second round was being generous. Cleveland saw an opportunity to make a marketing ploy, and they pulled the trigger on Manziel. I'm going to give this to Manziel because of his numbers that Heisman year. Kevin Smith never won the Heisman. And sure, he was an All-American. He won the All-American Award in 1991. Manziel... Well, I mean, he just did everything he could to make AM great. And because of that, he was a two-team All-SEC. He won the Davey Bill O'Brien Award. He won the Manning Award. He was the SEC Player of the Year. He was the Sporting News Player of the Year. He was the Associated Press's Player of the Year. And he won the Heisman. His accolades in college are the only reason why I think he's moving on this week. And he's going to have to fight, and people are going to have to fight with me on this. And I'll put it up for a poll for next week of why Johnny Manziel should be moving on over Von Miller. Sorry, Kevin Smith. I think that you're a very talented player. But unfortunately, you landed in a bracket where you faced off against a person who literally is still the embodiment of Texas A&M. I still go to conversations with people from A&M and they still talk about Johnny Manziel. Kevin Smith is not a name that's brought up in massive conversations unless you're talking about true Aggie fans from the 1990s. Manziel is still making a name for himself. He posted on social media not too long ago about him staying in quarantine, and there was 25 articles out about him. That's all you got to know about the success and the storyline of Johnny Manziel. But I promise you, he's going to be in for a brutal awakening next week when he goes up against Von Miller. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, will Datnew Wing follow the likes of Von Miller and be the other number one seed in our bracket to make it to the Elite Eight? We'll be breaking that down along with all of our other people. But also, while you're here, make sure you're following us on all of our other different type of sporting events, such as Locked on ACC, Locked on Big 12, Locked on Big Ten, Locked on SEC, and Locked on College Football with Jordan Reed. We will see you tomorrow. And remember, Gigam y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.